I'm Jacob Weiss. I'm Logan Elrod. And we minored in film. In today's episode, we are going to start with a review of A Quiet Place Part 2 before we get into our big episode number 30. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. So, <laughs> so we'll start with A Quiet Place Part 2. This, of course, is a sequel to 2018's A Quiet Place. Following the deadly events at home, the Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sand path. I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. Well, we're not going to spoil this movie. Inevitably, we'll probably spoil a little bit of A Quiet Place Part 1. But um, I feel like most people have probably seen that by now. Go watch it. Yeah, yeah, go watch it. <laughs> um, just in case that comes up. So just a warning for you guys. So this film was written and directed by John Krasinski. The The first one was as well, except he only co-wrote that one. Uh, he had the sole writing credit for this film. And it is starring John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons, Killian Murphy, Noah Jupe, and Jaiman Hansu. I always do that with Killian Murphy. Killian, yeah, I know. I, I always want to say Cillian. Yeah, I didn't. I do the same thing. <laughs> um, so this was the first movie I got to go back and see in a theater again mm-hmm. uh, since we rented out a theater for Elf on oh, my I birthday. Oh, I forgot about that. So this is the first new movie yeah, yeah. I got back to see. Uh, yeah, what about you? Oh, yeah, so the first movie since... We or your girlfriend rented out uh-huh. to see Elf, and God, it was the perfect movie yeah. to see <laughs> coming back into the theater and uh-huh. uh, watching it with other people, and it was very quiet, and it was like, am I eating my popcorn too loud? <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was one of those movies where, like, one part is awesome to see in the theater, and the other part is like maybe not the best. Yeah, because you're the like you have to be really quiet. Uh-huh. Like it, someone's opening candy, and you're like, man, it's taking you a while to yeah. open that candy right now. <laughs> the one annoying thing is that since the movie is so quiet, you can totally hear whatever movie is playing yeah. in the theater next. Oh to you. yeah, that was happening to us too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did you? What's uh, initial thoughts? How do you? How do you feel about this movie? Yeah, so sequels are always pretty tough to do, and I think this one landed pretty well. Um, of course, not as strong as the first one, but mm-hmm. when you have such an original idea, I don't think anything will beat the original. You know, first movie. Yeah, I think it's just kind of impossible to be mm-hmm. honest. But this one really lived up to it. It's a very good sequel to match the first one. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this movie especially it being a theater experience if you want to go see this movie don't wait for it to go on streaming platforms i think it is well worth the money to go to a theater and watch mm-hmm. this film yeah well one of the things that i really like um you know first of all is that i thought when i first saw the trailer i thought it might have given a lot away but really the trailers revealed like nothing past like the first seven minutes of the yeah movie. and i have this written down um and this is the opening scene, and I watched John Krasinski kind of do a wa- like watch through the opening scene mm-hmm. and tell him how he did it. So it is one single take, mm-hmm. and it, it's the flashback portion. And I wish I didn't watch the trailer because the tension kind of gets split up because you know 
when it when the tension breaks. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's kind of the scene that they really honed in on in all yeah. the trailers was like the opening So uh, scene. I wrote down, wish I didn't watch the trailer, but for this podcast, we kind of have watched trailers. Yes. <laughs> but after that, though, the rest of the movie yeah. I loved because I literally had no clue where the story was going to go at all. Yeah, same here. So that was super exciting. And um, I think that this movie, it had... Um, I mean, the tension, of course, is great. It has great directing, I think, from um, from John Krasinski. He has chops. You yeah, can he does. Because I, I just feel like the biggest thing is it's such like a, for the most part, like a tight movie. Like he knows exactly when to start and end his scenes. Mm-hmm. He kind of doesn't give you anything more than what you really need to watch. Yeah. Um. So I really like that part of it. And he actually, he, they did the original Quiet Place not with the intention of making a sequel or a franchise out of it. Yeah. That was kind of supposed to be a one and done. And they approached him saying, Hey, we want you to write like mm-hmm. a sequel and stuff. And he was like, okay, like, okay, but I'm, you know, I don't really want to. Yeah. They told him to write an outline and then he yeah. wrote it and he was like, I'm He's, just going to write this. Movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Great direction. Um, I really like what they do or how they decided to focus this movie most on Millicent Simmons' character, mm-hmm. the daughter. Um, I think that was smart. I liked watching her, I think, more than, I guess, Emily Blunt, probably. Well, and the son. I just can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. The actor is Noah Jupe. I don't remember the character's okay. names. But, um, yeah, so I liked that, and I really liked Killian Murphy in this. I kind of like... I love him. He's yeah. A, he's an underrated actor. Me too. So it was fun to kind of watch, you know, the team up with Killian Murphy and the daughter. And He did uh, break into his English accent when he was screaming. Did oh, you did catch he? that? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to scream with, like, how do you scream with not your accent, yeah. you know? <laughs> so that was a joy to watch. Um, there's plenty of shocking moments, but I never found any of it to be, like, too gruesome, which I don't mind some blood and stuff but like uh, these movies don't necessarily need to be over the top gory yeah but there's plenty of like shocks and like oh yeah the first one i don't remember being like as gory Mm -hmm. you know it might not have been. This, I guess, more so just like the stepping on the nail and stuff. More stuff. More stuff. Oh, that, makes that you was. Wince I remember. Than, yeah. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> people in these movies really love to get leg and foot injuries. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think the alien design is still cool. It is. Um, it didn't I, get stale. Yeah. I still think they're like scary and awesome looking. Mm-hmm. But I guess my biggest complaint, probably about this movie. Is that of course when you have kids, there's going to be a lot of you know contrived tension that's drawn from kids doing stupid things that they shouldn't do, yeah, which sometimes is annoying to watch because mm-hmm. you're like, really, really, dude, you're going to do that? How stupid are you? I know and then exactly what you're stuff about. happens, you know. And so that kind of annoys me sometimes, and I where I kind of wish they would find more like, I don't know, just less contrived ways to mm-hmm. create tension. But, I mean, the tension itself was still there and super effective and still great. But um, just some of that. And there was a few, like, moments of maybe some, like, logic flaws and, like, why didn't they just do that? But for the the most part, there wasn't anything. I know what you're talking about, too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Me and Ortiz were talking about the same thing. Uh I was like, why couldn't you just, you know, but anyway. (laughs) Also, this isn't a spoiler, but did you feel rewarded at the ending? The ending? Um, I kind of didn't. I still love the movie. Yeah. But the. I don't know. It's a short movie, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's a little over an hour and a half. Um, I, think. I don't know. It just didn't feel as rewarding as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That I can was agree just with me. that. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. I wasn't. I was satisfied by the ending, but not like super satisfied. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're leading up for a third, which. 
maybe not necessary, but honestly, the second one was wasn't necessary either. But I still liked it. Yeah. So who knows? I think keep doing it till you miss. Yeah. <laughs> I I just want to see John Krasinski. Like, what is he gonna do after this? Because mm-hmm. he's like, like you said, he's a big uh, Jaws fan. Mm-hmm. Um, like he always talks about like that Jaws book or whatever. So I want to see him kind of keep doing like monster stuff. To be honest. Yeah. Me too. That'd be cool. Yeah. So that was a quiet place too. Yeah. Uh, what 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 would you rate it? Oh, what would I rate it? Uh. Eight or like seven point five eight around yeah. that area. All right, that's what I would give it to. I was yeah. gonna give it an eight out of ten. So that brings our we minor in film score to an eight out of ten, which is way better <laughs> than like the freaking like twos and threes we gave the last. Couple. Oh yeah, this is the first actually good movie we've reviewed. Uh, except well, the Mitchells versus oh, the yeah. Machines is pretty good, the but the last two not great. Thank so, God, this is a nice change in pace. <laughs> All right, Logan. So the meat and potatoes. All right, enjoy your ad break. And we're back into the meat and potatoes. Grab your spoon. This is big episode. <laughs> Who eats meat with a spoon, Logan? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of thinking of mashed potatoes. Uh, but yeah, I guess if there is like maybe a little like chunks of bacon meat. All right. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is the Wizard of Oz in 1939. Uh, let's get a good description in here. So Dorothy Gell is swept away from a farm in Kansas to a magical land of Oz in a tornado and embarks on a quest with her new friends to see the wizard who can help her return home to Kansas and help her friends as well. So yeah, Wizard of Oz. Yep. You know, t- timeless classic. <laughs> timeless classic. Uh, directed by Victor Fleming, written by Noel Langle, Florence Ryerson, Edgar Allan Wolfe, adapted from the original novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum, starring Judy Garland, Frank Morgan, Ray Bolger, Burt Lahr, Jack Haley, Billy Burke, Margaret Hamilton, and more. This is produced by MGM, uh, MGM, which actually just got bought out by Amazon for $8.5 billion. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hugest deals in Hollywood history. Yep, so get ready for even more Wizard of Oz spinoffs that no one needs. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, you're right. And the budget was $2.8 million in 1939. I try to do like uh, inflation calculator, so I don't know if this is totally correct, but mm-hmm. that would be around $50 million today. Okay. Um, the box office all time is 34 million. Don't know how accurate that is, but when it came out, it didn't do that well. They mm-hmm. kind of broke even because they spent so much on the budget. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and the awards, they uh, Oscar winner for best song over the rainbow, of mm-hmm. course, and uh, the best score as well because it is kind of have a banger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're gonna have spoilers. This is the Wizard of Oz. Like, I mean, I mean on, come yeah. on. Like, you you know, you know what happens. Even if you probably have never even seen it, you mm-hmm. know what happens. Oh yeah, because I hadn't really seen it before this, but I still knew the entire story. Yeah, exactly. So, what's your initial thoughts and reactions? Like you said, you never saw it. All right. Um, so we're probably gonna lose all of our listener base now because I'm gonna totally shit on a classic. Here. Are you really? Oh, let me hear it. I'm excited. Um. Yeah, this is something I was looking through Letterbox and everyone I follow was like nine out of ten, ten out of ten. Yeah, that's me. I was like, oh my goodness. But I just don't. I mean, I get it, but also I was so bored and I was so like, really ready. Yeah, I just it was just not my thing. It's really not okay. (laughs) And I don't like. Uh, I was just kind of, yeah, like I said, I was bored at parts. I thought like all the munchkins and stuff were so creepy and I hated them. And (laughs) I thought that a lot of the, I mean, you know, the songs are fun, whatever. But like, 
I've always been kind of annoyed by like the super like overacting like gestures and mm-hmm. movements, especially that like the scarecrow and stuff does a lot. Those kind of like you know, joy and happiness annoys me in movies. So <laughs> God, the scarecrow's yeah. performance is so good. Yeah, and also just like the that hurts. That way of talking that they do and a lot of the, you know, stuff that's like just that. how they talk back it's then. Like, oh my we uh, like just yeah just, i guess i could see or, that. it just doesn't maybe that is how people talked more but yeah. i guess maybe just now no one now talks like that so it just sounds annoying and <laughs> <laughs> well we're not in kansas anymore yeah like, oh. <laughs> all right well that was his thoughts and reactions usually people love this movie <laughs> but everybody has well, their different opinions there, there's some cool production design i appreciated that not some cool production design. there was a lot of good no like, it, it really was cool good. production design yeah. yeah like that stuff was entertaining fun to watch mm-hmm. like uh the God, the line was annoying too i got i got so annoyed with him by the end of the movie <laughs> i could i could see that uh-huh but uh yeah no so there's so there, i can appreciate a lot of stuff about it yeah but it's not something I ever have a desire to watch again. Okay. Um, all right. So I'll tell you what I thought about this movie. <laughs> so I watched this movie for the first time when I was extremely young. Uh, I watched it on VHS for the first time. So if that tells you, that's pretty young. And mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it as a kid. And I've steadily watched this movie again and again throughout my life. Of course, recently, just last week. And it still amazes me every time. Um I think the scene from going to Kansas to Oz is one of the best cinematic switches in history. It absolutely stuns me every time. Jacob probably does not agree. No, no, that is good. Okay. I'll give it that. Yeah, no, th- there's stuff I can appreciate about yeah. it. So I give Just this not my thing. I give this movie a uh, 9 out of 10. The only reason it isn't a 10, like I agree with Jacob, I think that it does, the magic fizzles out and it does um, kind of get a little boring as the movie progresses, uh, but not totally boring where i want it to be over like mm-hmm. jacob just said but uh so what what do you rank it you know um i think i gave it because like i said there is a lot of stuff that i can appreciate about it kind of looking back where you know there's probably a lot of things where now it seems so overdone but this was probably one of the first movies to kind of start that mm-hmm. and so i can appreciate a lot of that stuff about it and i think it was like a competent story it was like fun it's simple but like i yeah. can definitely see the appeal so i gave it a six out of ten. Oh, that's because, not as bad as you yeah, were leading on because i can still appreciate it but i just it's just so not my thing okay i think it's just if it's not your reason. thing it's not your thing yeah like uh you know, superhero movies for me. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That's fair. That's fair. Um, so this movie was in 1939, so I kind of think it is a little important just to give a historical context, not only in cinema, but the world in mm-hmm. itself, because the world affects cinema. So let me just give you some historical context. If you know history at all, 1939 was not the best year for the world in general. That is when the Second World War started. So Germany invaded Poland. Not a good time. Um, but movie in cinemas, Weathering Heights, Gone with the Wind, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Mr. Smith Goes to uh, Washington, and of course, The Wizard of Oz. You've probably heard of a lot of those movies. Those are probably one of the biggest classics in cinema. This is old Hollywood, and old Hollywood did adapt um, and make kind of like evolution during that time, and specifically in 1939. Uh, so there was kind of like three levels that film advanced that year. Film devices, plot, and technology. So film uh, devices like continuity editing were utilized by filmmakers to slice up scenes, giving viewers varying perspectives of time and space. That seems very simple Mm -hmm. 
in today's terms, but it was very new at the time. Um, it just wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it seems so simple, but... And then uh, the general narrative logic was driven by relatable human characters, which you can really see in The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. esta- established by a clearly marked beginning, middle, and end. This is a form that the narrative is structured by a standard cause and effect formula that we still use today. Technology improvements included artificial lighting, low-key lighting, and fire effects. All of these played with shadows and light to create anything from a lighthearted to sinister mood in the scene, which is seen in The Wizard of Oz. Also, uh, Technicolor came into play, mm-hmm. as you could see. This is a, uh, a famous color, color process in Hollywood with its highly saturated hues and completely natural, natural representation of real-life color. The process marked the uh, mainstream mainstream use of color in every film that came after afterward commonly mistaken the wizard of oz is not the first colored film Mm -hmm. but it is that one that most popularized it so um also notice that they even in like the black and white portions they still gave it like a a sepia tone instead of just having yeah they did and white yeah and as a role as a result of these advancements uh films got longer and plot plot lines got more complex and The Wizard of Oz is a film that used all three devices super well, including making characters that you can relate to and therefore get attached to. So that's what we're going to talk about next, all right. is characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, who did you relate to the most? <laughs> um, <clears throat> man, who did I relate to the most? Mr. I don't Grumpy. Know. <laughs> Mr. Grumpy. Probably the uh, the the Wicked Witch. Of, no, she, I don't know. <laughs> um. There wasn't. I don't know. There wasn't. I. I they, All right. Who do you like the best? I don't know. Aspects to them. Um, I mean, I like Scarecrow in that he's like, you know, trying his best to help out, and he mm-hmm. really wants to be helpful and useful, but just feels like he's not smart enough to do anything. Um, you know, the lion. I just kind of found annoying most of the time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let's just go through the characters, and then uh, uh, Jacob can hate on every single one. Sounds good. So That's first, good. we got the main sweetheart of the movie, Dorothy, played by the great Judy Garland. Uh, so she's sweet, innocent young lady with a streak of boldness, outspoken and headstrong, who dearly loves her family, friends, and dog Toto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, by the way, I didn't say his name in the cast list. I just forgot. <laughs> his name's Terry. Is it Terry? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and apparently Terry would not walk on that yellow brick road. Uh-huh. <laughs> he would not hit his mark. So people did not like Terry. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So lives in Kansas on a farm, but dreams of escaping. What do you think of Dor- uh, Dorothy? I think she's fine. You know, she's the main drive, of course, for the film. Mm-hmm. She's. Did you feel sad for her? I, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. At some points. Um yeah, she is what she is. You know, you really don't like this movie. Did you even watch the movie? I didn't watch it. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> all right. The scarecrow slash hunk Ray Bolger, rescued by Dorothy from his dull life in a farmer's field. The scarecrow's greatest wish is for a brain, and Tony and I wish that too. Despite his perceived lack of brains, however, the scarecrow is exceedingly intelligent and resourceful. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the Scarecrow, Jacob? <laughs> Tell no, me. I did think he was fairly entertaining. Like I said, sometimes the over-exaggerating gestures So you didn't and stuff. like the acting style of kind of like, I don't know, like old Hollywood have like a lot of like tap dancing and like, yeah. you know. It's more so that style that I'm just not a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. But for this movie, having that style, 
like I think he did like a good job like it was a very physical character and he portrayed that like consistently mm -hmm. and I think he did a good job of it and created a good character that way yeah I just don't like that okay <laughs> yeah all right no problem uh -huh. um but I, the makeup was pretty good on him too like it, it blend the, the okay. nose was a little weird but I mean like the blending of we'll get into the that. face with the wrinkles and stuff looked pretty good I'm excited for that type of stuff but we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about the characters for a second the Tin Man slash Hickory, played by Jack Haley. Rescued by Dorothy after rusting in the forest, the Tin Man desires a heart from the Wizard of Oz. Despite his belief that he lacked emotion, he proves himself a kind and sensitive man. Mm -hmm. um, did you like the Tin Man? A lot of people think he's kind of like an underrated character in the movie. Doesn't yeah. get too much shine most of the time. It's really the Scarecrow, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I think he was the one kind of looked over a little bit, but mm -hmm. also he's the one that probably annoyed me the least. I thought he was fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I like the Tin Man. All right. So you, I think you, you hated the Cowardly Lion the most? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Cowardly Lion slash Zeke, played by Bert Lahr. The lion encounters Dorothy, Toto, the Scarecrow, and the Tin Man in the forest. He claims to be a coward and wishes for the Wizard of Oz to give him courage. However, he proves himself courageous in many situations throughout the film. Kind of. Not really mm -hmm. to me, but yeah. <laughs> I think he's always a coward. Okay. So you didn't like him because of... Mostly it was just, just the dialogue, the acting style. It was just the constant like wailing and yeah. sobbing through the whole thing just kind of annoyed me because he would just do that same like sob like all the time. Yeah. And that famous just, sob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just found it annoying and I just got kind of over it. Okay. I thought the tail, I was like, I don't know what was going on with the tail. Yeah. They had it on like a string or something. I think so. I don't know, but that thing was flopping everywhere, which yeah. is kind of interesting. And they did like a funny thing with the tail once or twice. Mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, wiping he, his tears with it. He just grew very repetitive. Yeah. It was like, oh, huh, that's funny. He's wiping his tears with his tail. Yeah. And then he did it another seven times. I'm yeah, like, that okay. costume has real lion hair, by the way. Oh, does it really? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Right. Old Hollywood, baby. Yeah, old Hollywood. And we'll talk about more old Hollywood, but what I think the best performance before we continue on to the production, The Wicked Witch of the West slash Miss Gulch, uh -huh. played by Margaret Hamilton. The witch resents their intrusion and sends many of her creatures to destroy or capture them, finally succeeding with the winged monkeys, of course. Mm -hmm. She is powerful, bitter, and full of rage. I think it's the best performance in the movie Uh with the scarecrow, but I mean, mm. you hate the scarecrow. But <laughs> what did you think of the witch? Were no, you I terrified of her at least? Like, uh, I wasn't terrified, but I thought she was fun. I liked her. I yeah. liked Miss Gulch, just like the crabby old lady that mm -hmm. everyone hates. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought she was a fun character to watch. Were, were you like, this is a good villain? Any scenes that stood out of her? Anything? Um, not too much. I mean, she seemed like fairly, you know, standard villain fare, just kind of being yeah. evil for the sake of being evil. Um, which I'm pretty sure isn't like wicked about her, so maybe that gives her some more dimension or something. Mm -hmm. If you go watch that show and stuff, but yeah, all right. So that was the characters, as you can see. What Jake? about the wizard? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of boring. Too. Yeah, um, yeah. I just kind of got the main, you know, gang. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the production. So this movie, like we just did last movie, Jaws was hard production. Yeah. This was just kind of, this was extremely hard too, but also kind of messed up uh, in a lot of ways. This is what I'm excited for. Yes, I've, I'm excited I've to talk about it too. Rumors this is an infamous bad production. It's like, it, I don't even know how the movie got made. There's so many stuff that, so much stuff that went on. So I'm going to just briefly talk about kind of more historical interpretation. This is old Hollywood, uh, AKA the golden era. That's what people say. Mm -hmm. When uh, the producers and production company 
mostly had all the power. It wasn't a director's world until the uh, new Hollywood era push with, you know, Steven Spielberg. We already mentioned him. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this was mainly production companies like MGM and, like, all that. So they went through a lot of stuff, including the directors. There was five directors actually had their hands on the classic 1939 film. Five directors on one film, mm-hmm. each getting replaced for different reasons. Um, <laughs> the first, uh, Norman Torog, I think that's his name, oversaw many of the early tests of the film but resigned to another film instead, I think because he was kind of getting annoyed with all the new, like, Technicolor and stuff like that. Gotcha. I like very briefly looked into Technicolor like a couple hours ago. Yeah. And it doesn't it require like an absurd amount of manpower? And yes. Cameras and and stuff? you have to be on the set while doing it. And like, I guess at that time, it like they had to keep the set uh, uh, a particular temperature for it to work. So a lot of the cast members were passing out and stuff. And I guess Goodness. it was probably just not fun to work on. Um, so he resigned. He got out of there. He didn't get fired. At that point, Richard Thorpe stepped in. After a few weeks of filming, the studio has decided that Thorpe didn't understand how to film a fairy tale, and he was fired. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, leg- a legendary director, George Cucker, who was steeped in pre-production for Gone with the Wind, stepped mm-hmm. in temporarily to help redefine the creative direction of the film, which actually worked. After a few weeks, he handed the reins off to now Victor Fleming, who ultimately guided the film throughout its completion, but he stopped, and King Vidor also did an uncredited stint as the last director on the classic movie shooting the Kansas scenes after Fleming had hustled off to work on Gone with the Wind. Huh. So, yeah. Okay. And he's uncredited for it. Oh, wow. So... Kind of well, that was like the whole, yeah, whole beat frame of the movie. Yeah. Like, in the end. <laughs> um, and we'll talk about Victor Fleming. He's not a nice guy. Uh, so mm-hmm. don't feel bad for him. Well, I mean, he got credited for the movie. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Like we mentioned, the costumes were torture. Uh, this is early days of Hollywood. I guess they don't know. Like, I, the things they did is so stupid. Mm-hmm. The original Tin Man was replaced, so there was another Tin Man. Uh, one night during the rehearsal period, Buddy Epson, which was the original Tin Man, woke up in bed, according to the South Florida Sun, screaming from violent cramping in his hands, arms, and legs. When he had difficulty breathing, his wife called an ambulance and rushed him to the hospital. He remained in an oxygen tent for two weeks, recovering from the pure aluminum he had ingested into to his lungs from the makeup of the Tin Man costume. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> They're like, hey, let's use actual metal flakes. Yes. Oh my goodness. But rather than being sympathetic to, to his severe reaction, the studio was furious. They told, uh, they told me to get the hell back to work, Epson said. <laughs> Goodness gracious. When the studio was told... <laughs> right, and action. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> when the studio was told that Epson, whose skin had turned blue during the reaction, blue, your skin's not supposed to be blue, guys. Yeah. He could not immediately return. Production replaced him with Jack Haley. Though the aluminum makeup was changed, it still caused Haley a serious eye infection. Goodness. That's an L. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well just put like a silver painted box over his head at that point yeah it's like i just like 
production companies and we'll like we'll go into how this production company does not care they just want this movie to get made it, it's just crazy um and a lesser makeup horror stories actor ray bolger who played the scarecrow removed the rubic prosthetics mask from his face the last day of filming to discover he had burlap scars around his mouth and chin which lasted for a year my goodness. Wait, so he had the makeup on the whole time? Yeah, just like filming the whole time, I guess. I don't understand that. But Yeah, goodness. Yeah, I guess like maybe it was his last day of filming and it was like just inflamed or something yeah, like that. Yeah. All right. So, uh who you hate, the uh the cowardly lion, Bert Lar, <laughs> wasn't allowed to eat while his in makeup he wasn't in makeup since it was difficult to apply. At first he tried to remain agreeable and just live on milkshakes and soup so he didn't ruin it, but when filming the movie went on for years, he put his foot down and requested a makeup redo after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> years? Yeah. <laughs> um and there's more. So the practical effects weren't very practical. I'll tell you that. Mm. In uh, in the scene in which Dorothy is awakened in a poppy filled by a blanket of snow, engineer, engineered by Glinda the Good Witch, production reportedly used asbestos during the, <laughs> the snow that was raining down, uh, uh, which is terrible for your lungs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I I don't. I just didn't know. I guess like yeah. Apparently, like. I don't know. Um, goodness gracious. This is a big deal, but while filming the scene in which the witch dis- disappears in a flash of smoke, the effects crew started a, uh, started a fire, and um, Margaret Hamilton had enough time to safely exit the stage, but she caught on to, uh, on fire. According to uh, the book, the flames caught on a broom and hat, scalding her chin, the bridge of her nose, her right cheek, and the right side of her forehead. The eyelashes and eyebrow on her right eye had been burned off. Her upper lip and eyelid were badly burned. When she looked down, her skin had been burned off her hand. Um, a friend had to pick her up from the movie studio, and she said, that was always amazing to me that the studio didn't even send me home in a limousine. The actor later recalled she considered suing but opted out against it for a very simple reason that I wanted to work again. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy, dude. How messed up is that? <laughs> so... There's more to the story. Uh-huh. Hamilton, a single mother, refused to take part in the stunt when she got back. Mm-hmm. But her double uh, decided to do it and promptly caught fire herself after flames again caught on the broom. I felt as though my scalp was coming off. That was the uh, double. Recalled after spending 11 days in the hospital, I guess that's because my hat and my black wig were torn loose. And um, yeah, so they wanted they wanted Margaret Hamilton to do the stunt again. She refused because she was just burnt really badly, uh-huh. and then the double did it, and then she got burnt really badly. Goodness gracious, man. <laughs> this sounds awful. Yeah. Um, old Hollywood, uh, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so messed up, man. <laughs> I'm glad it's... I'm seriously... Oh, like, well, yeah, oh, my goodness. It's really messed up. Uh-huh. And um, it's just like you can tell like it was all business. Like They did not care for any of the actor's safety mm-hmm. or... They just wanted to make money. Yeah. And it was simple as that. Yeah. Um, I, I know. I mean, that's a problem that's persisted for, for in Hollywood for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I it's mean, still a thing. Yeah, it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that bad anymore, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, there's a but... lot more, like, laws put in place. You yeah. Know, certain people can only start working hours. Like, you can't do asbestos and you can't, like, <laughs> have pure aluminum uh-huh. on someone breathing it in and they can turn blue, you know. Stuff good, like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. You know, I guess every safety warning has to come from some sort of yeah. accident. And there was more production um, 
drama, uh, while filming the famous slap scene between Dorothy and the Cowardly Lion, the young actress couldn't stop giggling. I think she was 16 at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after several ruined takes, director Victor Fleming took Judy Garland inside, slapped her across the face, and told her to go in there and work. And she nailed it the, the next scene. This is a 16-year-old, by the way. Yeah. Wow, yeah, this Victor guy. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> yeah, horrible person. Um, uh-huh. It's just... A lot of people said this production set was cursed, and you can probably see why. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff happened, and when you watch the movie, the I mean, it looks so beautiful, but like just to see what was going on, and when I was researching behind it, it kind of made me less like the movie less because it's like mm-hmm. all this for what? I mean, it is to a lot of people one of the greatest movies out there, but is it worth it to put all these people in danger? Yeah, I, that's why I always hate, like, of course it's always important to know when bad stuff is going on behind the scenes, but it's always, like, disappointing when there's something you really like and then mm-hmm. you really hear the truth about it and kind of ruins it for you. Yeah. You know? And, um... Like, I used to like Kevin Spacey movies, you know? And yeah. now it's, you know, it's House stuff like that, you know? Yeah, like, it's important to come out, but it's always disappointing when it does. And there's a lot of movies like this, and, I mean, I think we'll... I think it's a lot of fun. We'll probably do a lot more movies. And it's just, when you hear about it, it's like, why is it always the great movies, too, that have bad things going on? I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And with all of this, like, with all this happening, all the production disasters, the movie still somehow got made. Uh, It released, it didn't, like, do great in the box office at first. Uh, A lot of people will say it bust. That was a myth. It didn't totally bust. Like, they Mm. they broke even. Um, But... It 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 became one of the most like influential films of the time. Uh, film director, uh, one half of the Cohen brothers, Joel Cohen, said once quipped that every movie ever made is an attempt to remake The Wizard of Oz. So you can just kind of see like what this movie has done for mm. new directors that are hopefully nicer than you know, yeah. Victor Fleming. <laughs> I haven't heard anything bad about the Cohen brothers yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it just it just shows you how you know this movie has impacted pop culture and film it really evolved to like doing more um having more relatable characters you know doing more for production mm-hmm. uh which yeah. at, at its cost may not be the best yeah because i mean yeah they really went all out with it i mean yeah they they really did um so i got a, like a few just questions for you and i you kind of answered it but this musical aspect did you enjoy any of like the score or anything like that um, I mean, obviously the you know somewhere over the rainbow is a classic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, I like that. So that Some almost of the other got... songs were kind of like you know fun and upbeat, mm-hmm. but none of them really super stood out to me. So over the rainbow almost got cut by one of the main producers. They said that the song was like too slow and too depressing, mm-hmm. and so uh, assistant producer said, "I will quit if you cut this song." And they they didn't cut it, and it of course won an Oscar. It is literally like one of the most played songs in like history. Yeah. Um. So yeah, good good ups for that assistant producer. Um, uh-huh. we've done like basically two musicals on this podcast. What this and what Baby Driver? <laughs> I wouldn't count that as a musical because uh-huh. they're like adding like already. Well, I guess it is a musical. I mean, I agree. With you. It's not totally musical. Right, I was gonna say about? the Muppets. Oh, the Muppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, we're gonna cut Baby Driver. So the Muppets uh-huh. and the Wizard of Oz. Who has a better musical score? Uh, the Muppets. Okay. 
I mean, come on. So would you play? You you can't beat the am I a man or a muppet? Okay, man or muppet over uh-huh. over the rainbow. Yeah, is that your question? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't beat you can't beat that little guy. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you've hated on this movie the whole time. Can you tell me any <laughs> thing like any scenes that stood out to you? Can I hate on it a little more first? <laughs> I guess, sure. Okay. No, I just had one or two one or two notes written down. Um, okay, well, one thing that I actually did like that I thought was pretty hilarious is when they were in Go- in, in Oz and in the Emerald City and the guard, he just was crying and, like, the water was pouring down his face. I thought that was hilarious. That made me laugh. <laughs> so that was fun. I like that. Did you catch the bird in the movie? Just um, a bird in the background? I don't think I did. Okay. There's anyway. just a random bird at some point. Yeah, go on. <laughs> um, one of the other things is I know, I don't really get the whole end. She's like, oh, the hourglass. When it ends, you'll die or whatever. I'm like, well, why doesn't she just kill her now? What's up with the hourglass in the first place? Also, what if what would happen if Dorothy just went and flipped the hourglass upside down? Yeah. I, and then I, it wouldn't yeah. have ended at all, you know? I thought about that too, but yeah, come on, it's Dorothy. fantasy. You know? That's why I don't like Dorothy. She's stupid. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Jacob said she would slap. He would slap Judy Garland too. I would. <laughs> I would not. I would not. I don't have a mean bone in my body. <laughs> You're literally so mean. All right, go on. <laughs> um, that's been my other. I also was a little confused. Like, what? What exactly was the whole message of this movie? Uh, you know, home is home. home I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's no place like home. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a lot of messages, you know, uh-huh. like be happy with yourself. Yeah. Be happy where you are. But you they know? all wanted something else, though. Yeah, but they kind of, you know, learned. I guess. Kind of in a stupid way. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, Scenes that stood out. Like you said, um, the... The first time when it goes into color, that stood out. That was a really, really cool transition, and I liked that a lot. Um, I liked a lot of the painted backgrounds and stuff on the sets were really pretty. Oh, the trees. I love the trees. Oh, I love the trees, too. That was probably one of my favorite scenes. Um, I like how they look um, in that they, they look cool, but they also look absolutely hilarious when they start moving around. Yeah, it's this so movie... clearly just somebody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's funny. The movie's I funny. Really like I it. think it's like, I actually, I laugh mm-hmm. like during the movie. Maybe if I watched it more times, I would be able to laugh. But you at said it more. you're not watching it again. You're right. So it's never, you know, <laughs> we're never gonna find happen. out. Um, <laughs> but I also like some of the stuff at the beginning of the movie. Um, I liked some of the ways it was like shot. There's a lot, you know, some like tracking shots and stuff that were really cool. Mm-hmm. I liked the shot with like the twister in the background when it first well, appears. Yeah, I got like, that, that in fun was fact. Cool. Yeah. So that that stuff was neat. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, why do you think there's not been any like successful spinoffs or remakes? Because there's been a couple. Yeah. Um. What is there? I know that. Well, the show Wicked, I think, is pretty successful. I mean, you have yeah, the Wiz. Yeah. Um. But as far as movies go, wasn't there some like sequel that probably didn't do very good? With James good? Franco or well, not thinking... that. I'm talking about like a couple years probably after this. I think there was like Return well, to Oz or something. I don't know. I know that this original cast they didn't want to do a mm-hmm. um. Wizard off because it was going to be too difficult. Maybe another per- like. Yeah, I think it was because I think I looked it up the other day and it looked very different. Like I know there's Return to Oz. I think that's what I was thinking of. But that's like 1985. Oh, okay. But yeah, that, uh, there's just like 
never been like a good remake. Yeah, because then you had like Oz the Great and Powerful. That's the one you're just talking about, which I didn't realize that Sam Raimi directed that one. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah that was um, terrible. I, I, I've seen it. I don't remember anything about it, which means it probably wasn't very good. Yeah. I, I don't think it was very mm-hmm. good either. Because there was some stuff where I was watching and um the wizard in The Wizard of Oz was talking about um kind of like his past and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And and that made me remember certain scenes from Oz the Great and Powerful where they kind of explored that. So that was like yeah. it's kinda cool, but also why? <laughs> you know? True. So um it reported in twenty twenty one in February that there might be a Wizard of Oz uh Oz remake movie in the works, but apparently it won't be a musical. Um which that's already kind of taking away the element that a lot of people like. Uh-huh. And now that MGM literally got bought out by for eight point five billion dollars uh-huh. by um that evil man Jeff Bezos. <laughs> uh, I think that there's probably a really good possibility that we're gonna see the Wizard of Oz on the big screen again. Okay, but in a new way. You know, I would be honest. I could if they totally rework it and do something totally different with it, which it sounds like maybe they are. Like I feel like I could get into a little bit more of like a darker more modern fantasy take on the story of the wizard of oz i think that could be cool i think that's what that 1985 one was i don't remember but but it would probably be hated by everybody because that's not what they like and love about the yeah i don't think that's the tone you should go for yeah i don't think it would be successful but i'd be interested yeah but if if they were gonna would they make the big bucks off that they'd probably make some bucks off of it i don't know how big (laughs) it's you know it's the wizard of oz i mean they need the real housewives of the Shire. Anyway, uh, I mean, if they can do like you know, they have like three freaking Willy Wonka stuff in the works, right? That now. is, yeah, like, that is in the works. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to make a classic film like that, uh, and I just think that a remake has nothing to add. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, especially if the old one stands up, mm-hmm. which I think it does. Maybe not you, but hey, it, it, most people do, so I, I can respect that. All right. That was uh, most everything. We have Fun Fact Hour and Letterbox Reviews next. I got a few things for Fun Fact Hour. There is a lot of production madness that went on during the film. Like, even, I'll just bring it up really quickly. Like, the writing, there was a lot of writers attached. Like, it was hard to rewrite and adapt from the book. Uh, But just go look it up because there's a lot of crazy things. There's a weird conspiracy out there that uh, Pink Floyd's album, I'm drawing a blank, if you play it exactly right at the time of um, the Wizard of Oz, every song matches up to the to the scene, and oh, then it really? ends. Just there's just such huh. weird things revolving around this movie that I would you guys should go look it up because it's a lot of fun. Because um, uh-huh. I could cover all of it, and there's also some more messed up things that I'm not going to bring up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, one thing that I was wondering about, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are, is um, I believe there's always that you know, big rumor and stuff about, like, a munchkin, like, oh, you on set. Yeah, so I that was one thing. Uh, yeah, that, so what I've looked up so far, and there's been interviews with the munchkins and stuff like that, that and production, that, that is false. Um, there was not a munchkin that hanged himself on the set. Okay. That's a myth. I yeah. should have brought that on. Because that a is a big... Myth, yeah, yeah, that is a very common myth. There's a couple common myths on this... Uh, thing but yeah so we're gonna go to letterbox reviews real quick you have anything else to add 
I don't think so. Okay. Because yeah. you've had a lot this episode, Jacob. You. <laughs> you've had a lot. You know, I, you could have been quiet this episode, you know? Uh, so I have a letterbox review. I kind of use his name every single time, and I don't know how to say your last name. I said this last episode. James Shafrillas. I think that's how your last name is. He's going to sue us, by the way, because I've used, like, <laughs> so many of his comments. Uh-huh. They're always at the top, and they're always super funny. Yeah, well, you can't pronounce his name right, so they'll never know who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Shafrillas. Okay, anyway. Yeah, it was good, but it's no Phineas and Ferb Season 2, Episode 56, Wizard of Odd. Have you seen that? <laughs> Probably. It's good. I, I love Phineas and Ferb, yeah. though, so it's yeah. great. Uh, Zara said, People complain that Dorothy says Auntie M a lot, but at least she's not Katniss in the Hunger Games screeding, screaming PETA every two seconds. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we just talked about the Hunger Games, too, uh-huh. which is funny. Uh, this guy's username, Fake Shimp. The Cowardly Lion looks better than the CGI cats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those, I mean, those, the ones that had the buttholes and then yeah. they had to draw it off. Uh-huh. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Did you ever end up seeing that movie? I didn't. Okay, no. I didn't either. I, I happened to not be there when, when Calista ended up watching it and stuff. So. Did she hate it? Yeah, she didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> All right. And we have Fun Fact Hour, your favorite segment in the history of podcast history. Many of uh, many of the Wicked Witch of the West scenes were either trimmed or deleted entirely, as Margaret Hamilton's performance was thought to be too frightening for audiences. Remember, this is 1939, mm-hmm. um, so people were scared of everything. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, <laughs> I was just seeing something that like the Wizard of Oz was like banned at some schools and stuff because they, because of their like from like Christians that were upset that they portrayed a good witch. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. That's so silly. <laughs> anyway, Margaret Hamilton, a lifelong fan of the Oz books, was ecstatic when she learned the producers were considering considering her for a part of the film. When she phoned her agent to find out what role she was up for, her agent simply replied, The Witch, who else? That's kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a great actress. So Judy, Judy, uh, Judy Garland found it difficult to be afraid of Margaret Ham- Hamilton because she was such a nice lady off camera. That's mm. always good to hear. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to know about the Munchkins, so let me tell you about the Munchkins. The Munchkins are portrayed by the singer Midgets, named not for their musical abilities, but for Leo Singer, their manager. That's their, wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's their name. I'm not, you know, Uh the troupe came from Europe. This is actually pretty cool. Many of them were Jewish, Jewish, and a number of them took advantage of the trip to stay in the U.S. in order to escape the Nazis. This is 1939. Okay. Professional singers dubbed most of their voices, as many of the Midgets couldn't sing. English, uh, they couldn't speak English and or sing well. That's mm-hmm. what I meant to say. Only two are heard speaking with their real life voices, the ones who get, uh, who give Dorothy flowers after she has climbed into the carriage. Okay. Yeah, because some of the lip syncing definitely looked off yes. for some of that stuff. Yeah, so some of them couldn't sing because they're they, not really a singing group, I uh, guess. They all had those like altered voices yeah, and yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. And they couldn't speak English well, so um, yeah, only two real life voices were heard, which is kind of weird. Mm. Um, a recent study claimed that this is the most watched movie in film history, largely due to the number of television, television screenings each year, as well as the various video, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, 4K releases, which have enabled children of every and all generations to see it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. um, you take a movie this old that's such a classic that like any age can watch, then yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watch it. First time on VHS, uh-huh. and then I now just watched it on HBO Max. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, a big leap, uh, you know. <laughs> Watch it on my big TV anyway. 4K. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Dorothy's iconic red slipper is now live at the Smithsonian Institution and are so popular that the carpet in front of the attraction has had to be replaced numerous times due to wear and tear. So yeah, I think I actually have seen those slippers. I though. went to the Smithsonian, uh-huh. but I can't remember if I saw the slippers or not. I did. I remember that actually. Yeah. I was in seventh grade, I think, when I went to DC. And okay. I remember seeing those. Were they sparkly? Uh, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the famous surrender Dorothy skywriting scene was done using a tank of water and a tiny model which attached the end of a long uh, hypo. Dermic needle. I don't know how you say that. The syringe was filled with milk. The tip of the needle was put into the tank and the words were written in the reverse while being filmed from below. There was an added phrase to surrender Dorothy, which was or die. It was cut before the movie premiered. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> that is really cool. I always love hearing how people accomplish certain shots because yeah. that's something I was wondering. Was Did that make like sense when I said it? I felt, I felt like I was like, yeah. No, okay. I think I get it. That's a really okay. creative There was solution. a lot to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, the horses in Emerald City Palace were colored with jello crystals. Uh, the relevant scenes had to be shot quickly before the horses started to lick it off. Okay, I was about to say they definitely just painted those horses. Yeah, with like, like jello. <laughs> so like yeah. the horse is going to eat jello. <laughs> at least it wasn't freaking like a loom. Yeah, at least jello is not going to hurt you. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so the famous tornado scene, you got to know what it was. So let me tell you. The tornado was a 35-foot-long muslin stocking spun around among miniatures of a Kansas farm and fields in a dust atmosphere. So muslin is like fabric. Mm-hmm. So it was spun really, really fast. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Did th- that look real to me. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it looked pretty good. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> there's that scene where she's like looking out the window and all that weird stuff is going on. Oh, yeah. I was wondering, like, for stuff like that. The banging the head thing is like... I don't know, just by the window, you know, it doesn't look good to me. (laughs) But anyway, Um, and the last fun fact, the only location footage in the entire film is the clouds over the opening titles. So all of it was set. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is pretty obvious. Yeah. Even a lot of the outdoor stuff on the farm? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I honestly didn't pick that up for some of it. I mean, obviously it was like a set, but I didn't know it was like an indoor set. Yeah. It was probably just used like one of those Western sets or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was the Wizard of Oz, 1939. Sorry that Jacob pissed you off during this episode. Uh, <laughs> but that, it was so much fun to learn about. Yeah, this, I had so much fun doing this one. Probably the most fun I've had doing an episode. There's so much more, so you know, you guys should go look it up. Um, we we kind of covered the, the main uh-huh. you know, disturbance <laughs> of, of what happened. Um, but yeah, so uh, shout out to Calissa Schultz for social media managing. Uh, shout out to Annabella Ortiz for designing our cover. Shout out to Jacob for being a good po- podcast host that hates <laughs> on everything. Uh, where should they follow us? <laughs> they should follow us on Instagram at We Minored in Film, Twitter and Letterboxd at Minored in Film. And we're active on all platforms, so hit that follow button, baby. (laughs) My name is Logan Elrod. I'm Jacob Weiss. And we minored in film.